Today we're going to look at Matthew in the 14th chapter, verses 22 through 33. And it falls right on the heels of what we heard last week of the feeding of the 5,000. So when it says, immediately he made the disciples, he's talking about right after the feeding miracle, this is what happened. Um, and this is one of those stories that we grew up hearing, that we grew up knowing. It's the story of Jesus walking on the water. And it's one of Jesus' most famous signs of who Jesus is. And, and, and as a matter of fact, we use this term, about they think they walked on water, or he walks on water. It's a phrase that's deeply embedded in our common language to mean how great someone is. But my fear is that so often we, hear, we know of Scripture and we don't listen we don't hear it because we already, quote-unquote, know the story. So my prayer is that we will take some fresh ears today to hear this story from Matthew in the 14th chapter, verses 22 through 33, where we hear this. Immediately, he, being Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed them, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. And then evening came, and he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. So what this is telling us is Jesus sends on the disciples, and he goes to pray. And as he looks out, he realizes he's alone. And the boat is a little further out than he thought it would be because, well, the wind is battering the waves. There's a strong wind coming up, and so the, the boat has been pushed out to sea, and the waves are battering this boat. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, Is it a ghost? And then, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. So our, our story could stop right there, honestly, that, that Jesus walks out to them. They're terrified of Jesus being in their midst and, and because they don't realize where Jesus is at. And Jesus is doing something that they don't expect Jesus to do. And Jesus speaks peace to them. But the story continues, and in verse 28 it says, Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you. And he said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Now this is what most people preach whenever it comes to this text. Is, is that we find ourselves, when things get tough, falling away, losing sight of Jesus, and sinking. But Jesus immediately reached out his hand. This is what we hear in verse 31. And caught him, saying, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When you got into the boat, when they got into the boat, rather, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So this morning's story text has a, a, an underlying theme of faith. And for many of us, faith is one of those words that we often use in church. But what does it truly mean to have faith? For some of us, it may equate to having hope or trust. Or maybe for you, it's a sort of wishful thinking. 
Maybe for some of us, it calls to mind Hebrews 11.1 1, where it says this, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Or maybe faith is a belief that God is with us. God is with us in the difficult times of our lives, responding to our fears, our cries for help, with the promise of God's presence and comfort. But if we simply stop there, is it really faith if all we do is hope that God helps us in our fears, that God comforts us when we cry, if our faith is desiring to God to be some sort of cosmic nightlight, is that truly faith? Or is faith something more? I would dare argue that the quote-unquote faith that we were just talking about it's not authentic faith at all, but it's an insurance policy. It, it, it falls in line so often with us worshiping ourselves and hoping everything will end up okay if we follow our own wants and desires. But when we screw up, we have God who will bail us out for our mistakes. It's living that life that we desire and when it leads to something that is less than desirable, we ask God to help us instead of seeking and living into God's guidance in all that we do. And that, my friends, is authentic faith. You see, authentic faith calls us to, change, to a change of action, a change of plan, a change of life. It's an audible from the ways of the world. And we hear this echoed in James chapter 2, verses 14 through 17, where it says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but do not have works? Can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm, eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? So faith by itself has no work, and it is dead. Faith is more than just something you have, but it's something that you do. You see, what this text, what this is telling us is that you can't separate and say, I have faith, but it, and not be shown in the things that you do. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says that Peter had to leave the ship and risk his life on the sea in order to learn both his own weakness and the almighty power of his Lord. If Peter had not taken the risk, he would never have learned the meaning of faith. The road to faith, he says, passes through obedience to the call of Jesus. Unless a definitive step is demanded, the call vanishes in thin air, and if, People imagine that they can follow Jesus without taking this step. They are deluding themselves like fanatics. What, what Bonhoeffer is saying, ultimately, it, is it's, it's just saying you have faith doesn't mean a whole lot if you're not willing to take the step to show it. 
He says that that whenever Peter comes off the boat into the, and onto the sea, what he realizes all at once is his own weakness and the power of God. And that's where faith comes into play. When you realize you can't do it on your own, but you need the power of God to help and guide you. And, and that if you stay in the safety of the boat, if you stay in the, in, in the place where, you, where things are under control, where you have control, and where things don't challenge, does it really take faith to sit in your comfort zone? And the cost of discipleship, Bonhoeffer would go on to say, faith is only real where there is obedience. Never without it. And faith only becomes faith in the act of obedience. Tolstoy wrote a short story known about three Russian monks that lived on a faraway island, and nobody ever went there, but one day their bishop decided to make a pastoral visit, and when he arrived, he discovered that the monks didn't even know the Lord's Prayer. So he spent all his time and energy teaching them that prayer. And then he left, satisfied with his pastoral work. But when his ship had left the island and was back in the open sea, he suddenly noticed. He looked up and he noticed that the three hermits were walking on the water. In fact, they were running on the water towards his ship. And when they reached it, they cried, Dear Father, we have forgotten the prayer that you taught us. And the bishop, overwhelmed by what he was seeing and hearing, said, But dear brothers, how then do you pray? And they answered, well, we just say, dear God, there are three of us. There are three of us, and there are three of you. Have mercy on us. The bishop, awestruck by their sanctity and simplicity, said, go back to your island and be at peace. You see, this story, while you may argue with some of its theological references, what it's ultimately saying is that your faith does not lie in the words that you say, but in the things that you believe and truly believe in your heart of hearts that call you to action. You see, they, they said there's three, they, the, the hermits, the monks are saying, God, we just put our full faith in you to guide us, to lead us wherever it is that you call us to go. And this, this text this morning reminds us that Jesus isn't simply our God or life coach, but he's our Savior as well. He's the one who does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. You see, when Peter's about to sink, Jesus offers him a hand and addresses him. But what we now see is a term of affection and all honesty. You of little faith, why did you doubt? The story reflects Jesus stands for him in the human experience. Some people occasionally experience a momentary sense of confidence, which is another word for faith. They, they take an uncharacteristic risk and they fail, but they are ready to try again. You see, what, what Jesus, when he says, oh, you have little faith, why did you doubt, is not saying a negative thing, but he's saying, you took the step. You had some faith. But then you began to start to, to listen to the call of the world. Albert Hirschman, an, an economist, said 
throughout his life that his guiding principle was that Hamlet was wrong. Because his doubts made him incapable of acting. After all, if you know the play of Hamlet, and I'm talking about the Shakespearean play of Hamlet, he was frozen by the question of to be or not to be. And so he was incapable of acting because of his doubts. But Hirschman would say that Hamlet had it backwards. And that's what our text is ultimately showing us too, is, is that your doubts should free you because once you have accepted that you do not know what happens next, that you can't predict or plan everything in your life, then you are free to act. Because what's holding you back? You no longer have those fears and concerns because you are, you're not worried about what may happen. You can't tell, you can't say, well, we can't do that because I know how it's going to end because you don't know the future, but you know who holds the future. And when you know that, what is there to be afraid of? If you have given up on the illusion of knowing what could possibly happen and instead entrusting your future to God, then what do you have to be afraid of? Because that's where the true faith lies. The true faith does not lie in the fact that Peter got out of the boat, but in the fact that he trusted God to equip him with what he needed to walk on the water. That he entrusted that even if he was to fail, even if doubt was to creep in, that he had a Savior who would reach down and pluck him from the sea. The story of Peter and Jesus walking on water is a story of faith. That yes, so often we find ourselves ready to go. God, I want to go wherever it is you call me to go. And then all of a sudden, we find ourselves doubting, listening to what's going on around us, we find ourselves sinking and losing sight of the fact that we have a Savior. Too much of American Christianity has forgotten that. We've reduced the gospel to, to a spiritual self-help recipe. It's not anything different than what you would see on Oprah's book list. But the Lord who walks atop the sea... The Lord who walks on water in this story not only directs wind and waves, but also death and life. This Jesus wants more than to command our attention. He's not just saying, look at me, keep your eyes on me, focus on me. But he's, he's promised he wants to save our lives. It's not just saying, look at me, look at me. But what he's wanting to do is change everything about it. He's not just saying, I need you to focus on one thing, look at the finish line, but what I need you to do is call the audible and your faith to change the way you act, live, and interact with other people. So my question this morning for us is, what has our faith changed about us? And, and do we really have faith or do we find ourselves sitting idly by behind computer screens or in our own homes or wherever in our own comfort zone saying, I don't want to get into the messiness of the world? Because see, what we hear in our text is we're called to step out of the boat, out of our homes, out of our church doors and go out into the world with faith 
seeking to do as Jesus is doing and trusting that as we continually strive to do what Jesus is calling us to do, Jesus called Peter out of the boat and said, come to me, and we are being called to go to Jesus, to be like Jesus in this world. And so what we're called to do is to strive to, to follow the example set by Jesus Christ and to, and to trust that in those moments where we fall short, not beginning with the expectation of failure, but with those moments when we do inevitably stumble or fall, that we have a Savior to grab us and pluck us from the sea. So my challenge for you is, I want you to imagine the hopes and dreams that God has for us. Both as individuals, but also as a community of faith at Henry's Chapel or a church universal or wherever you're listening to this, imagine the hopes and dreams that God has for you and for, as a, and for your community of faith. God is encouraging us to cross rough waters. We find ourselves in a very tough terrain as individuals in this world. He's calling us to step out of the boat in faith, trusting that He will be there to grab hold of us when and if we need. But my challenge for you is to not only imagine those hopes and dreams, but to stop making excuses and step out on faith to achieve and to be the people that God calls us to be. Amen and amen. If you like what you're hearing here, and, and you want to support the ministries that we do um, at, at Henry's Chapel, which is my local church, um, I invite you to feel free to, to send any, any type of support you would like to to 563 East Main Street in Philadelphia, Mississippi, 39350, and just put Henry's Chapel on the line. Um, I hope that you've been blessed by the reading, the hearing, and the receiving of God's Word this day. Amen.